At Red Barn, our pet food ingredients work overtime. They aren't just there for show. Dandelion greens work to maintain a healthy digestive system. Salmon oil works to enhance the immune system. Green-lipped mussels work to support joint health. These hard-working ingredients support your dog's active, healthy life. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Visit redbarninc.com slash coupon to save a dollar off your first can. Blog Talk Radio. Healthy and Tone Radio with your host, Darren Batman McDuck. And now, prepare to get fat. Hey, what's cracking, peeps? Welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. I am your host, Darren Fatman McDuffie, and this episode is being brought to you by I'm the Fatman.com. I haven't written anything on my blog lately. I'm going to write something soon, but um, I haven't been inspired to write. Things are actually changing for me. I don't know if a lot of you are following me on Facebook. I've started shooting a lot of videos uh, based upon the teachings that I've been learning about changing your mindset, changing your thought. You know, I'm really big on our thoughts and our mindset actually creating. So that's what I've been looking to kind of intertwine with the whole health and wellness thing, because I think our mindset and getting into the right mindset, especially as we push on beyond 2016, a lot of things that we thought were true are not true, and a lot of things are coming to light. So it's going to be interesting how things move on from this point of 2016. A lot of people are becoming conscious conscious, and really not believing a lot of things that are out there. Um you can connect with me on my YouTube channel. If you have not, please do that. I do a lot of my street videos, and then I put them on the YouTube channel. And then a lot of the health videos are on there, too. And if you go to YouTube, it's YouTube.com slash FatBodyBC, just like Fat Man, P-H-A-T, Body B-C. And you can type that in the search bar on YouTube, and you can get uh, you can go, and it'll let you subscribe. So please subscribe. Um, I'm doing a video pretty soon on essential oils, essential oils in the limbic system. So really good stuff there. Um, Connect with me on social media. Uh, I am on Facebook, facebook.com slash perfectly healthy and tone radio. If you have not joined there, please join there. Um, Not as active as I should be on my fan page, but I do post some stuff in there. So please go and join so you'll know the latest updates to the show. Pinterest is I'm the fat man one. And uh, Twitter is the fat underscore man. So I'm um, really excited about the show tonight. This is something that kind of jogged my memory growing up in South Carolina. Uh, my grandmother used to always talk about turpentine, and I kind of forgot about it. And then, uh, you know, doing research on the show last night and getting ready, uh, prepared to talk to Dr. Daniels, it just jogged my memory of all the old remedies, all of the older stuff that my grandmother passed down to us, and we pretty much forgot about it. But before I get into reading Dr. Daniel's bio, just wanted to remind you of the show that we had last week, really good show with Dr. Raymond Francis on on his book, The Great American Health Hoax. If you have not listened to that show, please go back and listen to that 
that show. I've left that show feeling really inspired. And the message from Dr. Francis is that you must be present and participate in your own healing. A lot of us are just giving our uh, health away to someone and expecting them to heal us. But in all actuality, you must participate in your own healing, and I'm very big on that. And that was his message, and that really inspired me coming away from that show. So let me read Dr. Daniel's uh, bio here. I found a, a pretty good bio, really condensed one online. Dr. Jennifer Daniels is widely considered one of the foremost alternative healing physicians alive today. Dr. Daniels graduated from Harvard University with honors receiving a BA degree. That means she's smart. Her education continued at the University of Pennsylvania, where she received her medical degree, and also attended Wharton, where she received her MBA in healthcare administration. That means she's super smart. She practiced medicine for 10 years as a board-certified family practice physician, where she saw firsthand the power of natural methods. She has been coaching clients to successfully heal naturally since 1985. Dr. Daniels, welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. How are you tonight? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing awesome. I'm really glad to um, have you on. Someone reached out to me. I had never heard of you. And uh, I'm going to plead ignorant because I know sometimes you Things get buried. But someone reached out to me and told me about you, and I immediately started digging. And I said, I got to get her on the show. And I saw that you had your own blog talk radio show, but I'm so uh, glad to have you on the show tonight. So welcome. Thank you. I wanted to get into and just ask you about your story. Um, I come from the pharmaceutical industry. I was a rep for about two and a half years, and then I had enough of it, and and I left. But um, your story just reminds me of just the research I've been doing. I've been studying nutrition since 2005, and your story seems so eerily similar to a lot of the stories where people have gone through the conventional medical uh, system and then started to branch out to learn more about how to heal patients, and then something happened to them. So I wanted you to share your story with the audience, if you could. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, uh as you mentioned, I was totally um, embraced by the establishment. You know, I had an excellent academic record, and I came from a middle-class family. And entering Harvard, I, I was perceived as just the um, perfect foot soldier uh, for the establishment. You know, and going to Harvard, the goal that Harvard has for each and every one of its graduates is that they become... Uh, an incredible soldier as high up in the corporate um, echelon as possible. Mm-hmm. And so I was admitted with that in mind, with the perception that I would be the perfect, uh, I guess, android. And unfortunately, uh, you know, my background didn't really show through very well, but I was really an really independent thinker. I mean, I was charming, polite, and uh, tactful. I would never say anything offensive to anyone. But at the same time, you know, I had my own feelings about things. And so I, uh, at Harvard, I did very well, and it became obvious to me um, in my third year that I was going to medical school. And I said, well, let me just go uh, to the medical school, to the Harvard Widener Library, the world famous library. Back then, before the Internet, only certain libraries in the world were allowed to have all documents. So I had at my disposal 
um, the copies of the congressional record, copies of laws that were pending, copies, mm-hmm. full copies of laws that had been passed, um, and just incredible array of books. And so I wanted to know, as a doctor, how I was going to positively impact people's health and help them live longer. And I, I had these incredible aspirations. And I came from an inner city area. This was back in the era of segregation where, as a black person, unless you were super rich, you lived with all the other blacks who were super poor. So it, it was mm-hmm. being a middle class black didn't mean you, you lived in a middle class neighborhood. You lived in the ghetto. And that's because of segregation. And so even though we were, uh, you know, fairly wealthy, um, we lived in the ghetto, which for me is no big deal because I had everything I wanted. And, you know, but right. my goal was to go back to the ghetto, open a medical practice, and uplift people by giving them better health so they can have autonomy, self-determination, and do what they want to do with their lives. And so I go to the medical school library, and I dig and dig and dig, and I find that at no point in time has medical care ever been associated with increased life expectancy or increased medical outcome. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was devastated. Because <laughs> as you can imagine, I was pretty far into this, right? Third year of Harvard, and duh. <laughs> and I mm-hmm. already gone through the application process of medical school, the acceptances were going to be getting to, you know, uh, you know, it was getting clear I was going to be getting acceptances and interviews and everything. I said, well, let me look at the pending uh, health care legislation. So uh, Kennedy had put forth um, one of the universal health plans that would cover every person in the United States. And so I was like, oh, I was really excited. I was looking forward to reading this law that would have um, health targets and goals for making people healthier and how they're going to achieve them. Well, it didn't even mention it. It did not even mention that. All it mentioned was money. Who was going to get it and how much. And it was basically a blank check to the uh, medical industrial complex. And as I took a look at that and I read the law, this is the actual law, I was, uh, I was disappointed. And I was crushed. I'm like, there's no way this law is going to result in better health for anybody. You know, maybe more prosperity and money for me as a doctor, but you mm-hmm. know, my uh, financial was doing quite well. I didn't see any big reason to, you know, rip off the government, so to speak, and not help anybody get healthy. So I went on to medical school thinking, okay, so when I'm ready to teach me in medical school, it's not worth 10 cents because it's not going to help anybody get better. But I'm going to go to medical school anyway. Because maybe I'll pick up something. Maybe they'll clarify this. Surely it must be a mistake. Um, and in any case, if it turns out that it's not that useful, I'll just educate myself and I'll find a way to help people get healthier so they can uh, lead the kind of life they want. Mm-hmm. So I go on to medical school and they tell us, and this is a devastating statistic, half of everything we are teaching you is false. We just mm-hmm. don't know which half. So we're teaching you all of it. And in four more years, another 50% of that will be false. And every four years, half of everything you learn will be false. And like, whoa, you guys need to get a better truth committee. And um, so I went to medical school, and maybe 50% of what they taught was false, but none of it seemed to work. So in other words, 100% of it seemed to be ineffective. And so I was really getting disappointed by this time. But again, um, they had excuses for everything. It didn't work because, of course, like most medical schools, our medical school is located in an inner city ghetto, and the, the 
uh, people who are teaching or treating were poor. And so they told us, well, these people aren't getting better because they're poor, they're ignorant, they're not following your instructions, and besides, all they want to do is collect a welfare check, they don't really want to get better. And so mm-hmm. I didn't believe in not want to get better part, but I'm like, okay, maybe they didn't have the money to fill the prescription or, or whatever. And so then I graduated from uh, medical school, and I was the medical director of a, a clinic on the Indian Reservation in Northern Wisconsin. And as a medical director, you know, I had some say in organizing things, and we had a pharmacist on site. And so our policy was, I wrote a script that literally got filled on the person's way out of the door. So they got that medicine in their hands when they left the clinic. So there was no, they didn't get it filled, they didn't have enough money. Then we also had either a relative or somebody who was making sure the person took whatever it was that was prescribed. And I noticed the improvement rate was no better than it was in medical school. Meanwhile, I was getting, I was in the middle of nowhere. I'm in the wilderness. It's like a different country out there. So I subscribed to all of these cassettes that would arrive in the mail and keep me educated. And I subscribed to pediatrics, OBGYN, internal medicine, family practice. Um, and so I had all these cassettes coming in the mail, coming in the mail, coming in the mail. And this is back in 1986. Mm-hmm. You've been at this a long time. Yeah, long in the tooth. So I uh, popped a cassette in my car, and lo and behold, they informed me that all cases of polio in North, Central, and South America in the past seven years were exclusively caused by the polio vaccine. There were no cases of wild polio. I'm like, whoa, why am I vaccinating people and giving them polio? That makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. So that was a red flag. Then I got another cassette in the mail, and all these cassettes are from, you know, the medical industrial complex, right? Continuing medical education, it's all certified and reviewed, uh, indicating that treatment of hypertension did not extend anyone's life by even one day. And this is something no. that we're told in medical school is that um, we take a person's bad disease and we give them a not-so-bad disease and then we cure or treat the not-so-bad disease. And people may die from medications and they may die when we treat them from hypertension, but more people would have died had they not been treated. Hmm. And to take it another step further, there's this um, disease called atrial fibrillation. Treatment of choice is to anticoagulate or thin the person's blood with And mm-hmm. they only thin their blood for three months. And so I said, well, why are we thinning their blood? We're thinning their blood because we're saving their life. Okay, gotcha. Why are we only doing it for three months? I mean, if we're saving their life, why not do it longer? Well, because when we give this drug, it kills a certain number of people. And at the three-month point, the number of people we kill is equal to the number who would have died had they never got the medicine. Wait a minute. So what you're telling me then is at the end of the three months, the same number of people are dead as would have been dead had we never treated anybody. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make sense. And so I went out there and practiced in, uh, practice medicine, and because uh, I had my own personal uh, health crisis, I became mm-hmm. pregnant, and uh, I developed severe, devastating oh, abdominal pain. And I knew, based on everything I learned in medical school, there was no medical treatment for this. 
and that mm-hmm. me and my baby were going to die. But I always wanted to be vegetarian. And the medical school said it was a deadly diet, and uh, you should never be a vegetarian because it was going to kill you. So I took the opportunity to become vegetarian, thinking, of course, that death was inevitable. At least I wouldn't eat any meat the last few hours of my life. And lo and behold, I recovered completely and felt this great. And I said, well, I think I'll do this a little longer. <laughs> and so that got me on the, on the course of exploring um, non-drug ways, especially things that I've been taught in medical school were deadly, uh, to see uh, if indeed uh, they were healthy and, and could be um, helpful to people. So finally, I moved back to Syracuse, which is my hometown, and uh-huh. purchased a city in the middle of the ghetto and built a medical office building. Well, of course, it only had one office fine, but it was my office in my city block. And right. I started practicing medicine. And I noticed that my patients were not getting the kind of results I had expected. At the same time, my health was just improving by leaps and bounds by not eating meat. So I started sharing this little secret with my patients, and they started getting better, I mean, incredibly better. I even started healing diseases that I was taught in medical school were incurable. And um, so I kept doing this. And as I gained momentum with this, I started writing fewer and fewer prescriptions. I was even writing uh, recipes on prescription pads. <laughs> and then uh, what happened was when your doctor writes a prescription and you get it sold to the pharmacy, it gets entered into a database, and that data gets sold to drug companies and anyone else who wants to know, by the way. So yeah. then it was clear to the drug reps that my use of their drugs, the prescribing of their drugs, was just about zero. And then I started getting menacing phone calls. Not menacing phone calls, menacing visits, excuse me, which is worse than a menacing phone call. <laughs> and yeah. drug reps who've been giving me lavish gifts to me, to my children, to children's hobbies, they would, uh, you know, pay for us to go out to dinner. I mean, we knew all the top, top restaurants in uh, Syracuse and surrounding suburbs because the drug reps had always taken us there to all of them. So my kids developed all these incredibly expensive uh, tastes. Yeah, I remember that because I um I was a part of that, so I know exactly what you're um what you're saying because we used to always have to take doctors out, give them gifts, and you were one of those doctors that we pinpointed. We knew your prescribing habits. If you were prescribing, Absolutely. you know, if you if you were prescribing X amount of a drug and suddenly something dropped, we were in your face. We we're like, hey, you know, Doctor Daniels, what's going on? Why are you not uh, prescribing my drug anymore? So I know. Exactly. I was on the other end of that. And uh, like I said, I spent two and a half years in the in the pharma industry. But um, tell us what happened, because I read this on your website, and this is very interesting, what happened to you, because you're not even in the United States right now, are you? No, 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 I would not. I don't return to U.S. soil. It's not something I do. Yeah, so, so tell, um, us, tell us how all that happened. Yeah, I had a very holistic view of health. And so I got involved in the neighborhood. Um, I read the laws, the zoning laws, and I got a drug den demolished, bringing the homicide rate down from 18 to zero. Uh, I got streets paid, affordable single-family homes built. I, mean, I was really on a tear. And um, I became aware of this $30 million, it's not a bond issue, but, but the more I investigated, I realized, whoa, this is a bank heist. This is a $30 million signature, no collateral loan. The banks will never see their money. And um, so I alerted what I thought was the proper authorities, you know, the 
of our politicians and people who were supposed to be responsible. And everyone said, oh, Dr. Daniels, you can't possibly understand this, any of this. I said, wait, I have an MBA from Wharton. I understand this. And um, they pulled in their MBA who looked over my numbers and said, well, <clears throat> I guess she's got the numbers right anyway. So uh, nobody listened. So finally I said, you know what? It's a bank robbery. Let me let the bank know. So I'll come to the bank. So um, I asked citizens to write a letter saying, I don't want my, want my government to borrow this money, and if they do borrow it, I don't want them to pay it back. And I got 300 letters like that. And on top of that, I put a cover letter to the banker saying, hey, hi, Dr. Daniels here, just a concerned citizen. You know, I, I, I see you got something going on here. I have information about a $30 million loan. I think you need to know. First of all, the entity you're lending to is just a paper corporation. It has no assets. It has no customers. It's formed only to receive your $30 million, which you will never see again. And if you even try to collect this $30 million, you will need to impose such draconian measures on Syracuse, New York, that it will make your third world tactics appear genteel. Sincerely, your most humble and faithful servant, Dr. Jennifer Daniels. And so, apparently somebody read it, and they flew the bankers into Syracuse, and they marched up to City Hall, told the mayor to put all other matters aside and answer their questions. They did the same thing to the city council and school board, and finally, uh, they flew out of town, which for us in Syracuse was a breathtaking thing. We've never seen such starch suits in our lives. And um, then there's this big newspaper article, bankers came to Syracuse, say they need ABC information. And I read it, someone bought it to me, actually said I didn't need the paper. And I said, oh, I have that information. In fact, I think I'm the only one that's got that information, but I'm busy practicing medicine, so I ignored it. And then three days later, another big, splashy story. Bankers still waiting. I said, oh, I better write that letter. So I wrote the letter saying, hey, bankers, uh, here's the information needed. Send it off. Two days later, uh, three days later, uh, article in the paper. Bankers have received the needed information and are deliberating. The bankers decided they were not going to make this $30 million no collateral loan, uh, and the whole deal collapsed. Unfortunately, I did not know that the governor had already been bribed to make sure that the, the bank heist went off without a hitch. And so the uh, governor called the licensing board and kind of got things in motion. And the case they caught me on was a 19-year-old um, diabetic, and I lowered his blood sugar from 470-something down to 135 in one week without drugs. And that was the inappropriate practice of medicine. How could they say that's that's crazy. and the reason why I wanted to tell you that story for the audience is because if you've been doing this, like I said, I've been reading books since 2005 on health, wellness, and nutrition, and the story just sounds so similar. Um, I don't know if you're up to date with uh, the holistic physicians now that a lot of them are coming up um, dead, and one of the gentlemen was here in yeah. Boca, was here in Boca, and a lot of people don't know this. But one of the gentlemen was in Boca, and I called on him. I was working for a food sensitivity testing company at the time, and I remember calling on him, and um, about maybe six months after that, he ended up dead. And this is happening all over. Just, I think just very recently that there was a woman holistic physician in Hawaii, and she, she – uh, uh, was dead. She, she came up dead. So people don't really know about this stuff, and people don't really follow – you know, what's going on in a medical establishment, yeah. especially, especially for those people like you who have kind of gotten away from the conventional, conventional methods and are looking 
to do something more alternative and more holistic. And you've been doing this since 1985, but I, I just wanted you to share that with the audience so they can actually know what's, you know, what's going on, that this is not just stuff that you're seeing on Facebook. This stuff actually happened, no. and I read it. Yeah. Read about it over and over. The thing and over is, it's even worse than this. I mean, that's what we want to know about. So it happens. Okay, so they took my license away. I said, you know what? No big deal. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people in the United States who work, and they're not doctors, and they get by. You know, I'm, I'm pretty bright. I should find something else useful to do with my time that could feed my kids, right? Mm-hmm. So then uh, I got a letter in the mail from the Fed saying, "You're on one do not employ list." I said, "Ah, that's okay. With one do not employ list." This is what plenty of other jobs I could do. Then I got a second letter from the Fed putting me on a second do not employ list. And the do not employ list was so broad, basically there really wasn't any job in the States I could do. I said, no problem. Uh, I had my own business. I can just start another business doing something. And then I caught a plane, uh, bought a ticket to catch a plane to, you know, go and meet with my buddies and see if we could, you know, put something together. Only to find out that I'm on the terrorist watch list. Wow. And so at that point, once I realized I was on a terrorist watch list and then the abusive uh, treatment I got, every time I tried to fly, I said, you know what? I'd rather get out of this country while I still can. Mm-hmm. And I just and left. You, and you're where? You're in pa- Panama now, right? At the moment, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I I, I didn't want to take up the whole show for the audience to uh, for you to talk about that, but then I wanted them to hear that because a lot of people that are out there listening – they obviously have an interest in holistic medicine and doing things more naturally, and you need to kind of be aware of what's, what actually is going on that these people who are moving away towards conventional medicine into holistic and doing alternative methods, you know, what they have to go through. And this is just, it's not uncommon yeah. at all. So I just wanted to commend you because when I read your study on the web, I mean, your uh, your bio on the website, I was like, this sounds so similar to everything I've read over the years where physicians who have stepped forward and are actually healing people and getting them better are the ones who are ostracized. And it doesn't make any sense at all. But we're here to talk well, about... It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're here to talk about turpentine. I know that's what everybody's waiting on. So um, <laughs> this <laughs> this was uh, a breath of fresh air for me, Dr. Daniels, because um, I remember... Staying with my grandmother, I would always spend the night with my grandmother or after school, go to my grandmother's house. And I remember in the there were two things that my grandmother kept. It was turpentine, and I remember the little swan that used to be on the, on the package. And then there was something else that she used to use when we used to get scrapes and stuff. I think it was called mercurochrome or something to that effect, but I don't think they make that anymore. But I specifically remember right. turpentine. And I remember her always saying, take turpentine, take turpentine. And then as I got older, I just forgot. My grandmother passed away when I was like eight or nine years old. And then I just forgot about Mm -hmm. a lot of these little remedies. And then um, I think I was looking up your information and there was something going on about, uh, you were talking about turpentine. I was like, where did I know turpentine from? I'm like, oh, my grandmother (laughs) was talking about turpentine. So let's, let's get into that. And just how did you discover this? Because you came about it. Uh, in a in a different way. I, I was like my grandmother. I'm from the South. I was raised in the South, and we tend to keep all these little remedies. But you came about it in a, in a kind of roundabout way. Explain to us how you, you, you found out about exactly. it. Exactly. I'm from the North. Uh, yeah. I was born in the North, and my parents, my mother was a total city girl. 
And uh, my father had come up from the south to the north and met her, and they got married and settled in the north. Mm-hmm. And so I had never, ever heard of turpentine for healing, not at all. Um, the only thing I knew about turpentine was the public service announcement saying, get it out of your house, if your kids are going to swallow it and die. Get it out of the house. And there were a lot of, you know, public service announcements about that. So that's really all I knew about it. Um, but what happened was I was uh, working, uh, trying to help my patients heal naturally. And they were doing very well with diet and cleansing and, um, you know, some supplements. And I found, though, that when they got all healthy and everything seemed really great, as soon as they had a soda pop or a cookie, then everything would fall apart. And it's, it's just like nothing had happened. And I said, there's got to be some way to return somebody to their pre-disease state. You know, return them to a state of health that is so durable that if they eat uh, an occasional piece of junk or something, they're not going to fall apart or fall to pieces. And so I was homeschooling my kids. And so I do a lot of, you know, you have to do some reading then just to help pass something on to the kids. And so I came across some literature that indicated that um, in Asia, they spend, uh, I think it was China, I forget what what, uh, country it was, they spend $35 per person per year on health care, and in that Asian country, people live longer than Americans did. So I said, wow, for every dollar spent on health care, an excess of $49 must be actually harmful. I said, wow, that's amazing. But what is it they spend the forty nine dollars on? So I couldn't I couldn't get to that information. So then I was um, reading um, a historical perspective of African Americans, and they said that uh, African Americans had some kind of herbal whatever that cured anything and everything. And whenever the slave master got sick, so sick that he was at death's door, he would go to the slave quarters. He would beg the slaves to please heal him, and in exchange for healing him, he would give them whatever they asked for, their freedom, usually not their freedom, but he would give them either a substantial amount of money or some material possessions, whatever. And um, I said, wait a minute. If slaves can get it, it must be pretty darn cheap, and mm-hmm. it must be very plentiful. They don't have, they don't have storage or whatever. And so I said, man, i got to figure out what this is. And so I was buying all these herbal books and reading them. I just couldn't find a thing that fit that description. And finally I said, duh, I have a bunch of patients who are descended from slaves. Let me ask them. And so I started asking my patients. At the end of every visit, I would ask, if it was an African-American patient, I would ask them, was there something your parents used or maybe your grandparents used? It was very cheap and it cured everything. Was there such a thing? And I must have asked seven or eight people. Everyone says, oh, no, sorry, Doc, I can't help you. And then people start saying, oh, yeah, Doc, must be turpentine. Mm-hmm, turpentine and sugar. I said, wow, that's really interesting. Well, who used it? Oh, my grandmother did. This is like a 45-year-old guy, right? So his grandmother mm-hmm. used it. I said, well, um, I guess she must be dead now. Oh, no, she's alive, still kicking. I said, really, how old is she? He's a 94. She still uses that turpentine and sugar. I said, really? I said, was she in a nursing home? Oh, no, she lives up lives by herself, takes care of her own house, you know, fixes her own food, does her own cleaning. Mm. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> so you can drink turpentine and live to be 94 and clean your own house and cook your own food. Well, it mm. must be not that bad stuff. So 
So I said to myself, well, you think your, your grandmother would talk to me? So that ah, she keeps pretty much to herself. I said, hmm. And so uh, I kept asking and kept asking, and nothing else came up except turpentine sugar. That's what people kept saying. saying. Mm-hmm. And every time I asked them, how much, how often, how do you do it, no one had any clue. And so I one day said, you know what, I'm just going to find out. I'm going to go down to the hardware store, and I got myself a can of turpentine, went to the grocery, got some sugar cubes, and, um, you know, the back of the can's got some pretty stiff warnings on it, so mm-hmm. I made sure I had my will written out, put it on the top of the fridge where anyone could find it. And then I uh, told my receptionist, if I didn't show up for work in the morning, don't worry, just cancel the patients. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, so I had everything set up, and then I sat down at the kitchen table, uh, got a ceramic plate, put a sugar cube on it, took some turpentine on it, and chewed it, and nothing happened. What, what was going through your mind at that point? I, I just want to know, were you like, I, I know you said you told your receptionist, or actually, were you like preparing to die, or were you like preparing yeah. for the word? Yeah. <laughs> What was going through yeah, your mind? I was preparing to die. There's <laughs> 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 only two things that happen here, and I'm going to die or I'm going to find out something. And so I really didn't know which it was. And at that time, I had paid off all of my debt. All of my educational debt was paid off. The mortgage for the office was paid off. I had a couple hundred thousand dollars in savings. So if I did die, the kids were pretty much okay. So I was just that curious. I was that determined to find out. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, so I was prepared to die because I didn't know. And I, there was all the public service announcements saying it was deadly, right? Yeah. So I, I didn't have any assurances. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did the one sugar cube and it worked out okay. I didn't feel anything, though, either way. So I said, okay, let me try two sugar cubes. And so the next day, I stacked one on top of the other and dripped some more turpentine on it, took both sugar cubes, and nothing happened. And so the third day, this time I was really getting interested. Like, oh, man, I'm going to do three sugar cubes tonight. And so I sat in three high and um, poured sugar, turpentine on top and chewed the first one, swallowed it, chewed the second one, swallowed it, chewed the third one, swallowed it, and boom. It was just like my mind cleared up. Uh, I mean, I just felt incredible. Like, uh, you know, no mental confusion, no fuzziness. Everything was just clear and sharp. Mm. And I said, wow, this is great. And I mean, I didn't even have any problems as far as I knew. But I had the mental clarity that I had as a child where, you know, anything you see or hear, you remember. Um, anything you think about is sharp and clear. And I said, wow, this is amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I went on to to determine what the maximum safe dose was. So every day I increased by another sugar cube, another sugar cube, another sugar cube. And so I got as high as seven sugar cubes, which was more or less a tablespoon of uh, turpentine. And then uh, when I ate that amount, I felt a little twitch. So, uh-oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. I must be some the stuff they're talking about in the side of the can. So that's the end of that. Nope. Stop right there. And then I waited uh, a week for it to wash out of my system. And then I took the three sugar cubes. And again, boom, got that incredible mental clarity. And so I said, okay, I'm going to wait and see how long it takes for this to wear off and go away. And it took about four, four and a half days. I said, okay, so the dose in here is twice a week. So the dose is a teaspoon of turpentine over sugar twice a week. And that's how I arrived at the interval of the dosing and the amount of the take. 
Yeah. Now with the sugar, uh, I, I don't even know. I know they sell sugar cubes somewhere. I just haven't seen them. But can you use like the granulated sugar, or do you specifically yeah. want yeah. people to use sugar cubes? I haven't used the granulated sugar because it's, it's easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, by the way, can get this whole report. I've written out a whole report. That's how everyone knows about it. And the report, of course, went viral. I think only not even one in 1,000 people who read the report paid for it. But once people bought the report and read it and tried it out, they got such incredible results that you started posting it every place all over the Internet. Yeah, I read it last night. I just sat down and I read it, and it was just wildly entertaining. That's what I'll say about it. But it just it grabbed me because I knew that this was something that my grandmother used, and so I kept, like, reading and reading and reading, and I was just so intrigued by it because I was like, wow, I was a part of this, and my grandmother knew about this, and how did I forget it, you know? And this stuff actually works I'll a lot of times. I'll tell you how you forgot it. I will tell you exactly how you forgot it. It's called compulsory schooling, and it separates the generations. It breaks up families to send a kid to school for two, four, eight, ten hours a day and then throw in your extracurricular activities. It's all about making sure that any life solutions your parents or grandparents found out, they can never, ever pass on to you. That is the true purpose of compulsory schooling and education. I would have to agree with you because, I, like I said, and, and I remember that the way that I came across it, I started associating it with poisons. Like every summer in, in during high school, my summer job used to be painting, and we used to use it to clean, to thin the paint and clean the paint off of our hands. And I was right. like, yeah, so I always kind of connotated it to being poisonous, and I had forgotten about my grandmother using it until, you know, researching for the show and ta- and listening to you talk about it. I was like, wow, I knew about this stuff a long time ago. Why did I never not use it? Getting back to the sugar and the turpentine, because I know a lot of people, um, my head puts together concepts because I was in the pharmaceutical industry. There's an irony mm-hmm. there that you're using sugar, which is not good for us, and you're using mm-hmm. turpentine. What's the mechanism of the sugar? What's the purpose of the sugar? The sugar has two purposes. Uh, the first is to act as a bait. Mm-hmm. So the parasites, the bad bacteria and fungi, all of them are attracted by the sugar. And so that's the bait that attracts them to the turpentine. The turpentine is a natural agent. It is the basically essential oil of the pine tree. And parasites recognize that, and as soon as they sense that around, they scatter. They tuck themselves away into corners and crevices and into cells and everything and hide. And so you're not going to be very effective if that's the case. And so you have the sugar there, and they're like, mm, I know that turpentine is bad stuff, but I just can't resist that sugar. And so it literally draws the parasite to the poison, which is the turpentine. I want to say poison. Well, the po- what the turpentine does then is it disables the parasites. So then your immune system can say, okay, you out of here. You stay. And, you know, you can sort through. And it can mm-hmm. literally recreate a healthy uh, gut environment. Hmm. And uh, you said the turpentine the, it comes from the spruce tree. And it's actually an essential oil. Correct. Wow, because I know a lot of people are big on essential oils who even might be listening to the show. And I use essential oils all the time, lavender oil and, and different things. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't believe that when I read that in a book. I actually have the one of the books you co-authored, Black Gene Lies, with uh, Dr. Wallach. 
And yes, I was reading, yes. yeah, yeah, I was reading the chapter on it. I was hoping to have Dr. Wallach on. We got some scheduling difficulties in February, but I'm going to hope mm-hmm. to get him back on the show. But I was reading a chapter in here and uh, about, you know, it being an essential oil and the different um, essential oils. So with it being an essential oil and the sugar, I would think that you're you're really targeting candida, which is, you know, a fungus. Um, we're targeting a lot of things, targeting candida, yeah. targeting worms, mm-hmm. um, bacteria, uh, really the whole ball of wax. Um, turpentine is so powerful. We focus on candida just as a marketing strategy, to tell you the truth. Um, I met a marketer while I was here in Panama, and he's a raw food expert, and he said, okay, we can market this. This is good stuff. It really works. He saw that it worked. It was just like a miracle. He couldn't believe it. And he said, okay, we can market this. I said, he said, what does it help with? I said, everything. He said, no, 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 no. We can't, can't do that. He said, does it help with candida? I said, yes, it does. He said, okay, good. We'll go with candida. And that's what we did. And we put together a marketing campaign. And the first week it sold $35,000. Wow. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, it's so cheap and it's really accessible. Now, here's the deeper thing, because my mind just goes to another level, which is everything that I've been reading as of late, um, they're saying that cancer is a fungus. You have uh, things, they, they're linking autoimmune to viruses and, and, and funguses as well. And I'm wondering if this stuff, this turpentine, the sugar uh, concoction, would be effective for something like that since you know they're relating everything they say can uh cancer is a systemic fungus and you have all these other schools of thought and i'm wondering if this is that thing that you can add to your arsenal to guard you against these things that everybody's fearful of it can definitely guard you against the uh, in my experience it can definitely guard you against cancer especially to follow the Candida Cleaner Report. And that report is at vitalitycapsules.com forward slash Candida. So mm-hmm. uh, listeners can get their own. The report is now free. Don't charge money for it. People paid as much as $850 for that report. So you are now getting it for free. And it's just as mm-hmm. helpful and just as effective as it was uh, in 2010 when it first came out. So it's vitalitycapsules.com forward slash Candida. Now, autoimmune diseases, I have my opinions about this, and so I'm just telling you this is my opinion. It may or may not uh-huh. support what other people think, but that's never bothered me before. Right. Um, so, autoimmune disease, the best I can figure is a vaccination side effect. So the best way to not get an autoimmune disease is to not get vaccinated. So that's, that's that. Um, when I was in medical school, all the people, without exception, who had autoimmune diseases were agreeable, cooperative, compliant, middle-class, women. And basically, these are ladies who read the reports about how good vaccines were, and they got vaccines for themselves and their kids. That's basically who got autoimmune diseases. And blacks didn't get autoimmune disease until you got the Medicaid card, and then the kids got vaccinated using the um, health benefits. I would say to anyone who has Medicaid, the best thing you can do for your health is throw that card away. Just cut it up. Uh, If you're pregnant, you don't want prenatal care. All they're going to do is kill your babies. And if the baby does get born, they're going to vaccinate to death. Or by the time it gets to be 18, you're going to have an idiot on your hands. So um, that's where autoimmune disease comes from. Mm-hmm. Now, what about cancer? And the cancer candida link. Uh, 
Candida has been given a very bad name. I'll just leave it at that. Um, cancer is cells that are dead slash dying. And the candida steps in and eats up these dead cells. And so that's why wherever you have cancer, you have candida, because candida is cleaning up the mess. Candida is not the mess. It's cleaning up the mess. And so it's like blaming the fireman for the fire. So that's my opinion on that. So where does the candida cleaner come in with all this? Well, where it comes in is if you don't have cancer and you start using turpentine regularly, um, it greatly decreases your chances of getting cancer. Because now um, what, what happens is these cells that are in a state of dying, turpentine actually repel, repairs cell membranes. And so literally, you have a cell that's on the verge of dying, and in the presence of the turpentine, it, re- it gets rehabilitated and starts working. And that's why when I took uh, the turpentine way back when, I felt better instantly. Well, maybe it took uh, 10 seconds. I mean, it was seconds. And so that's why it works so quickly, because in addition to stopping the assault on your body, it also repairs your body at the same time. Well, did you, um, I know with Candida, I I guess I got two questions for you. I've heard two schools of thought, one being that Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to have any Candida in the body, and then the other being that you're supposed to have a little bit of Candida. Um, If you can answer that, and then the other part of that question is um, with the the Candida, uh, is it possible for, if you don't get rid of the candida, is it possible for you to n- lose nutrients? Like, is, can candida eat certain things that you're eating and you're not getting the nutrients in your body? Uh-huh. Okay. So, life is all about balance. Right. In other words, the goal is not to eradicate candida. The goal is to enjoy excellent health. Mm-hmm. And your body is constantly uh, destroying cells, and so you need candida to clean up the, the occasional cells called cell turnover that naturally happens in your body. The problem occurs when you have an exceptional amount of turnover, and then you need a lot of candida to handle the problem. And the question is, where does candida come from? I think that's a good thing to take a look at. It comes from two yep. places. One comes from the diet. The yeast in your bread is the same candida that is found in women's vaginal yeast infections. So that's worth noting, that people are eating a lot of yeast in their diet, and that creates issues. The um, next thing about where does yeast come from is your body has yeast, uh, bacteria, and all kinds of organisms in it. And I'm sure you've heard of the microbiome where we're, you know, 50 trillion cells and we have maybe 150 trillion um, bacterial organisms or living organisms. So those 150 trillion organisms, they are really what's controlling and running your body. And when you die, those organisms all digest and deteriorate your body. And that's what's responsible for the decomposition of your body. So your body literally comes with its internal maintenance and self-destruction system. Mm-hmm. And so as far as living goes, you just want to keep the proper balance of these organisms so that as they work together, they work to keep you alive. And, and that's yeah. why uh, different times associated with longevity. 
because it sedates the organism so that your immune system can then pick and choose which organisms it wants to keep for its own advantage. Yeah, that seems that seems very intelligent, so to speak. Um, Candida, I know Candida is associated, and people have really sometimes have really bad what you call die-off symptoms. Um, did you notice any of that with yourself, or in, or did you notice with any of that with people that you worked with where they were having these really bad die-off symptoms? Personally, I never have die-off. I've never had die-off symptoms. Mm-hmm. Never. The reason I didn't have die-off symptoms is because by the time I discovered turpentine, I was already having several bowel movements a day. I was doing fasting. I'd done enemas. Um, I was uh, a vegan. So, and I was, I was one of those vegans that did not eat processed foods. I wasn't eating, um, you know, tofuti cuties and uh, organic antique pizzas and all kinds of other trash and junk. Mm-hmm. So I had a very clean, organic, unprocessed food uh, lifestyle. So the same diet that I have in the Candida Cleaner, I was already following. And I was already very well cleaned out. So when I took turpentine, it was just a smooth improvement. So next question is, what is a die-off reaction? Yeah, exactly. A die-off reaction is not, I don't think it's a die-off reaction. I think a die-off reaction is your immune system being overloaded with toxins or parasites that it's not able to remove from the body. So when your body, when your tissues cleanse and dump a lot of chemicals and parasites into the blood and the liver is not clear enough or open enough to accept that into the bile and the intestines are not open enough to put that into the toilet, that's, we're interpreting that as a Herx reaction or die-off reaction. When really what it is is it's improper sequencing of the cleansing process. Mm-hmm. And so in the Candida Clinic Report, I tell you, You've got to open up your colon and small intestine and bile ducts before you even think about taking turpentine. Yeah, I was going to ask you and so how would you... so I would want to take turpentine first. If you just, uh-huh. just add turpentine to a modern um, human ecosystem, you're going to have just havoc because the parasites are going to say, oh, my God, we've we got we to get out of here, got to get out of here. And some are going to run to the skin, give the person a rash, might run to the brain, give the person a headache. Might run some sinuses, give the person a sinus infection, run to the lungs, give them a cough. Why? Because the bowels are blocked. So yeah. you need to get the people need to get the report. It's free. If I tell forward slash candida, read it, read it twice, and then lay out your plan about how you're going to go about doing it. And if you have questions, yeah. you can go to my website and um, click on um, discovery session, or I have office hours. Um, which is a monthly subscription plan where you can pay uh, now it's a promotion, a dollar for the first month and then $50 a month thereafter, and you can get your questions answered, um, you know, monthly, at monthly office hours. Yeah. So there's and a free be- report. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and you mentioned that you have to kind of prepare yourself with the protocol, and that preparing yourself is what yeah. consistent of doing enemas. you got to just make sure that you're, system is moving, so to speak, is what is what you're saying. Exactly. So any yeah. parasite that wants to leave can leave. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people and are you not. The exit, and these parasites are trying to leave, that's when you get a die-off reaction. And it can be pretty gripping. Yeah, I've heard some really horrific reports of people who had these uh, die-off reactions. I've never had one. I've used 
the pills like for candida, but I just don't think that they effectively work for me because I still have the cravings for sweets. And I'm wondering Correct. if the turpentine and sugar uh, combination is going to knock out those cravings. Yes, it knocks out the cravings. So you just won't have a desire to eat any sweets? Not interested. You... Wow. Uh, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to do this. And your protocol is in the uh, candidacleaner.com is where, where I went last night to read the to read the actual report. Um, but I know you mentioned it several times on here. And, guys, you can go and she has the whole protocol on there. I read it last night myself, and you can follow that protocol. And I'm sure if they need to get in contact with you, the information, I have her website on the, uh, the description here. Um, what? And I read a lot of the testimonials on there, Dr. Daniels, and it was just, it blew my mind. What are some of the conditions that respond well to this turpentine-sugar uh, combo? Oh, my gosh. Um, chronic pain uh, from any source, um, autoimmune diseases do uh, very well. Um Diabetes, <laughs> diabetes is helped by turpentine sugar. Um, hypertension is helped mm-hmm. uh, by this. Um, pneumonia, um, sinus problems, sinusitis. It is a long list, really, of uh, conditions that are helped by it. Yeah, I think I was listening to something you were even talking about. Um, it helps uh, multiple sclerosis for people who have those symptoms. It could even help that mm-hmm. um, as well. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Well, multiple sclerosis, uh, again, this is another one of those rare diseases, which is not so rare anymore. But, again, way back when, uh, when I entered medical school in 1979, the only people who had multiple sclerosis were cooperative, middle-class people. And then once Medicaid kicked in, um, so it's 1979, but in the 80s, all the social workers graduated from college. And so they went out and did case finding. And they would locate people who were eligible for government programs like Medicaid and make sure they got signed up. And so once blacks uh, dropped their guard and decided they were going to trust doctors with their children's health and sign them up for Medicaid, all of a sudden now blacks were getting these autoimmune diseases and getting all these uh, diseases that before only middle-class whites got. And multiple sclerosis is one of those. Mm-hmm. So um, I believe that multiple sclerosis is um, an infectious disease, a combination of a weakened immune system and an infectious agent. And um, it all starts with uh, immunization, basically. Hmm. Now, where the uh, turpentine comes in is the turpentine sugar helps greatly by uh, attracting the parasites to the gut and um, disabling them, so the body can get can get rid of them. One big problem in um, multiple sclerosis is constipation, and so the vitality capsules help tremendously there. The vitality capsules also help in terms of cleaning out the bile ducts. And the bile ducts, when you have chronic disease, the bile ducts are usually the reservoir for the cause of your disease. And people who have mild multiple sclerosis find they get um, excellent relief with just the vitality capsules. Mm 
And so yeah. that to me was was very surprising. What about um this two one big condition that's probably happened over the last I would say I want to say 10 years. I don't know how correct I am on that. Uh, fibromyalgia and another big thing, because I know candida is often associated. And then we're not just talking about candida. You're talking about parasites. You're talking about yeast. We're talking about the whole gamut. But I'm just going right. to say candida. Candida is often associated with the inability to lose weight, especially for people who are obese. What Does it help those two conditions, the fibromyalgia and the, for weight loss? Yes, yeah, so fibromyalgia it's very complicated. Originally, fibromyalgia um, came on the scene in the in the late uh, 80s, early 90s. Yeah. And this was exclusively a disease of middle class housewives. That's it. That's who got it. Mm-hmm. Now, there's something about being a middle class. We'll just throw in the word Caucasian housewife. So, first of all, what what is uh, middle class mean? Well, middle class means you have disposable income. At least that's what it used to mean. And so these are people who can spend money on more than just the basics. That's number one. Or two, talking about housewife. This means this person is home all day. And so what is this lady doing at home all day? And I met a few of these people who come to my office and tell me I have fibromyalgia. And these were dedicated, devoted housewives. They were no slouch. They were not slouches. These were ladies who made sure the house was clean, the kids had clean clothes, everything was folded and put away. They they cooked meals, made sure all the meals were done. They tacked their husbands' uh, lunches. I mean, they gave housewives a good name. These ladies were diligent. They took their roles very, very seriously. And um, what I concluded uh, after a while was that it was their cleaning agent. These ladies were working so freaking hard to keep that house clean that they were using toxic agents. And that, the toxic uh, age of cleaning agents, um, their toxic personal care products. And again, if they did not have the disposable income, their whole personal care program would be a bar of soap and a washcloth. But no, these ladies, um, you know, they had tinted hair, um, they had conditioner, they had skin moisturizer, um, they, you know, the list, you name it. I mean, these are the kind of ladies who go to the, the cosmetics counter they make me up and then buy the whole package. Mm-hmm. And so basically fibromyalgia is uh, a toxic overload uh, from buying man-made chemical-filled products. And then what has happened with the advent of food stamps, of government-subsidized housing, of the Medicaid cards, now poor people have got the same wholesale exposure to chemicals. And so now you have people with all income levels and all um, races suffering from fibromyalgia, and both genders, too. Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. A lot of people don't know the um, extent of the personal care products they're using and the stuff that they're putting on their skin is, you know, really, really toxic. Um, Getting the weight loss, one of the things that, and I know I asked you a question, but I want to kind of throw this in as well. On your report, it says that the more you weigh, the more candida you have. Kind of take us over that a little bit. Okay, so if you're overweight, mm-hmm. what's causing you to be overweight is the chemicals in your system and the parasites. Your immune system only uh, controls them by surrounding them with water or surrounding them with fat. 
And this is why uh, these weight loss programs that focus on exercise just simply don't work, can't work, won't work. And if you are unfortunate enough to lose weight with an exercise-based program, you're going to have a crisis. What's a crisis? You're going to have a gallbladder attack and need your gallbladder out. You're going to have some health crisis caused by depriving your toxins of their associated fat. So you cannot focus or build a weight loss program around exercise. That's totally unhealthy because of the reason that people are overweight. The reason that they're overweight is because their body is attempting to protect them from poisons and attempting to, to sequester these poisons with fat and with water. And so to lose weight, you've got to go 100% organic. You've got to get all the chemicals out of your life, out of your personal care products as well. And as you stop putting the chemicals in, your body will turn towards removing the chemicals that are already in, and you'll notice that your weight goes down without really any effort on your part. Yeah, it's funny. It's a, there's a lot of estrogen overload out there with women. It's, you see it in men, too. But the women, it's a lot of estrogen overload from the cosmetics and the different things that they're doing. Well, um, no. A lot of women are taking a three-month shot. They're taking a three-month shot for birth control, and it's causing oh. them to gain 30, 40, 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. And the men, they don't have a chance. Um, you know, they're getting estrogen from the tap water. They're getting estrogen from the, um, the the chicken, the pork, the beef. They're treated with estrogen. And there's, these men are drinking dairy products, which are filled with estrogen. This is the milk of a pregnant cow, for Christ's sake. So it, it's tough to find, as uh, they say, a real man anymore. <laughs> I had to laugh on that one. <laughs> um on your report too, well, you know, actually, where are you with your diet? Because I know people out there saying you were, you know, you said you were vegan. Are you still vegan? Because so people are going to come no. back and ask, you know, oh, should I be? She's vegan. I got to go vegan. Should I be eating meat or should I not be no. eating meat? Where are you with your it's diet? Okay. Right now with my diet, um, I guess you'd say I'm an omnivore. So I eat meat. I eat vegetables. Um, I eat rice. The only thing I try to avoid, I work hard to avoid, is dairy products. That's seriously bad news, so I leave that alone. Um, but what happened to me was I had been vegan for, oh, see, 28 years. And one day I just could not get out of bed. I just didn't have the energy. I couldn't even sit up long enough to do what I'm doing now. This is radio show with you. I literally was exhausted. I woke up exhausted. I was exhausted all day, and I went to bed exhausted. And one day, I couldn't. I just couldn't get out of bed. And I said, something is wrong. And I said, well, a diet can heal. And I'm feeling this lousy. I must be following a diet that's not, it's not right for me. It's not correct for me. What is missing from my diet? So, of course, I'm vegan, right? What's missing? Well, I made a list. And I said, aha, uh-huh, something on this list. And, you know, beef, pork, chicken, fish, uh, dairy products, something on this list uh, I need to add to my diet uh, to revive myself. So I tried uh, chicken. I ate a piece of chicken. That didn't do anything. Sad heck with that stuff. Then uh, I started trying to think back to when I was a kid. What, kind, what did my parents feed me? I said, ha, mom fed me liver, liver and onions. 
I bought a piece of liver and some onions, put some salt and pepper on it, cooked it. Took about three bites. And it's like, wow. It's like Popeye eating a spinach or something. I just felt this energy go through my whole body. It's like I woke up. I said, aha. And so I ate liver uh, daily for about three days. And then I started feeling normal again. And that was my journey back to, you know, walking, talking, and dressing myself, basically. And um, I realized then that being vegan was a great thing for the first 10 or 15 years. It worked out great. But that I had depleted my system. And so I needed to recharge my system. Yeah, you're seeing a lot of people who were vegan now. I, I just read a... An article on one R&B singer, her name is Chrisette Michelle, and she was a long-time vegan, and then she just moved to the uh, paleo diet. It's just that I think people evolve, and it's like I won't ever make a dietary decision based on something that I'm just going to stick with this one thing because I know the body changes over time, and what you may not need today, you may need tomorrow. And a lot of people get stuck in that whole thing. Oh, this is my choice. I can't break away from that, from that choice, and I think that that's, it's an that's crazy. It's issue. Yeah, yeah, it just that's crazy. Um, last question for you is one that really stuck out with me because I when um I was going through my whole candida thing and, and using the capsules to kind of get rid of the candida, I was told to stay off, you know, sugary foods and stay off fruit. Don't eat any fruit. And I saw last night on the protocol, you were saying that fruit is, is okay. I, I hope I read that right. Yes, I but, found people who uh, ate one piece of fruit a day did better than people who ate no fruit. Wow. And that's simply an observation because when I first started doing this back in the 90s, when I was a doctor, so I tell people, no fruit, no fruit, no fruit. And people who, who ignored me <laughs> and ate one piece of fruit a day did much, much better than people who did no fruit. So now I add one piece of fruit. So one piece of fruit a day at about 4 p.m. That seems to be what works. Wow, yeah, because that took, stuck out to me like a, a, store, a sore thumb because I was like, they tell, they tell, they were always telling me, don't eat anything, don't eat any fruit, don't eat any sugar, don't eat anything with the sugar. So I just wanted to ask you about that. But um, that's all I had. I mean, I just, just want to say one, one thing. You need yeah, to be careful. People need to be careful about listening to folks who have all these theories. You really yeah. want to pay attention to people who actually have experience, have seen things. Like a lot of things I do, I can tell you, I don't know why, that's the way it works out. I've observed that people who do this, this, and this do well. People who do that, that, and that don't. And when people have some kind of elegant theory for you and everything has to fit into it, then they're, you're not getting the truth. Yeah. there's. Um, I interviewed Denise Manger about a year ago, and she had this uh, – this the book is called Death of the Food Pyramid, too. Death by Food Pyramid, and she comes yep. up with who who to listen to. Like oh, a lot of these bloggers, and they have these different opinions. And I'll tell people, mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm still learning. There's stuff that I wrote on my blog a year ago that I may not agree with, but I'll tell you, hey, I made a mistake. I'm not afraid to tell you that I made a mistake. Everything is always changing and always evolving. But that's all the questions I had for you. Um. Give us the site again, Dr. Daniels, where you can go and get the report. Because the protocol, everything is on there, you guys who are listening. And if you want to go through this protocol, you can go through the protocol. She lists everything. If you want to work with her, 
then you know yep. I'm going to ask her to give her give the information, and you can work with her personally to you know use the turpentine and sugar or any other health issues that you may have. But give us the the site again. Vitalitycapsules.com forward slash Candida. That's where you go, and uh, you enter your email address, and you get your report. It's free. There's no charge for that. Um, there is a charge for, you know, me working with you. And then you can find out more about that by clicking Discovery Session or uh, One-on-One. Cool. Dr. Downs, I enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure. I, you know, liked having you on, and this kind of brought back memories. I started thinking about my grandmother, my mother, <laughs> my family, <laughs> just basically because I know that, you know, just running around my grandmother's house as a child remember going in her medicine chest and, and playing with my grandfather's shaver and seeing all of these medicines and different things. So it, it brought back a lot of memories for me. And I know that it works because my grandmother used to talk about turpentine all the time, all the time. And yeah. that's what they use. But thank you so much for uh, for being on tonight. I really appreciate it. You're absolutely welcome. All right. Have a good evening. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right, great show. Um, and like I said, it just brought memories back for me. And if you go to vitalitycapsules.com slash candida, the report is on there. I think I found an independent report uh, somewhere on there as well. So if you just Google candida cleaner, I think was the name of the report, it'll come up for you. And it's in PDF if you want to print it off and uh, staple it, use the hole puncher and, and put it in a notebook and use it. Um, then you can do that. And if you want to work with Dr. Daniels, she gave her information there so where you can work with her personally. Wednesday coming up is going to be the Everything Guide to Adrenal Fatigue with Dr. Maggie Luther. Dr. Maggie Luther is a naturopathic physician and wrote a pretty good book on adrenal fatigue, which is you know, caused through stress. A lot of people have adrenal fatigue. I experienced it myself before. A couple of years ago when I was just using energy drinks to get myself going and we'll talk a lot a bit a lot about uh, adrenal fatigue on the show on Wednesday so Wednesday at 8 o'clock same fat time same fat channel with Dr. Maggie Luther thanks for listening guys peace and love good night Welcome to Burger King. You guys doing Philly cheese on a two-for-five nail? Yeah, it's the new flame-grilled extra-long Philly cheeseburger. These like the ones I get down the shore? Better. Ours have two flame-grilled patties served side-by-side, side, topped with onions, cheese, and a cheesy sauce. Just two-for-five bucks. Two-for-five dollars? Beautiful. Me or the sandwich? Huh? Get the new extra-long Philly cheeseburger at Burger King. Now just two-for-five dollars. Or mix and match with the original chicken sandwich, part of the two-for-five dollar deal, only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price of participation vary.